0: the original the original counter, counter, counter. That's exactly right. Oh, Cleve in the house. Appreciate yeah. you good. join us again there, Cleveland. 101. <laughs> Does, is this 101? It is 101.
3: Wow. You know about that? How appropriate since it literally is 101. Yeah, is, that's right. It, it is,
1: is hard. The There's toxic drinking out of some kind of thermos. Stanley, maybe? Stanley. Have you seen those thermoses? Yeah, those are
0: right. Hey, they're amazing. Better in bottom land. Look at that thing. Now, I, can, it's supposed to be for coffee, but it's great
3: for everything. I bet it is. Well, these times,
0: you know, you need cool water now. Where can time. a guy get one of those in Bottomland?
3: Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's Stanley. Stanley. <laughs> wherever Stanley <laughs> products are sold, <laughs> which is a is lot it. of places. Yeah, it is. That yeah is that's eight.
4: like the trendiest thing right now, The this 40-ounce mug. Yeah, my um, daughter
3: has one, and she had to get on a waiting list to be able to get one from them. But the, the coolest mug ever, and it keeps stuff hot all day or cold, all day. This is pretty amazing. You can like if you're gonna be outside, like we're doing right now, like we're doing some spraying, and some working on uh, working. Yes, yes, It's dangerous. Just throw one or two ice cubes in this thing in the morning. It stays cold all day long. So that's kind of my go. Plus, it's sealed over. You can put it in the dishwasher and also it's definitely my go to. I'm gonna
0: have to get that forty ounce.
3: Yeah, and, you, and you, <laughs> for me, I got a relatively new pickup for the first time in ten years and. It's spill free. <laughs>
0: what? No way. My
3: other one smelled like coffee a month into it. So it's, I
0: guarantee you, I it's pretty
3: spill. handy. It,
4: it'll also make a good martini shaker in a pinch. There you that,
1: go. Well, look, guys. Yeah. Well, let me start. Well, welcome to West Point, Mississippi, home of Mossy Oak Brand Camo, the Gamekeeper Studio, episode one hundred and one. Yeah,
0: there it is. Yeah, we're we're real excited, and I wh- can't believe we had this much to talk about. I know, I
1: know we do. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, before we get started, we got some great guests, and I'm going to introduce them in just a second. But, Jason, we, we the the winners have been – uh, well, I'd like for you to announce the winners by name. They already know what uh, – What they could, won. Could, yeah, let's tell the world who won.
0: Yeah, yeah, they've all been contacted, all replied. So so nobody didn't claim their prize, so we have nothing left so over. They all claimed it that it's morning. Golly. Exactly.
3: So, huh. That's good. It was, uh, it was pretty good. So the grand prize, the A5, was Bennett Wilson – uh, the $250 gift card for Gamekeeper Fieldwear was Justin Carr. The Leopold Sunglasses was Josh Levy. Russell Moccasins was Terrell Singleton. And the Gunner Kennel was A- Elliot Anderson. Man, good winners. They were all excited. Well, good. Yeah. That was fun to do. Yeah.
1: So Those are some uh, great
3: products and great no doubt
1: about it. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. And so, well, while we're moving forward, Richie, uh, Br- uh, our guest Bronson has lost his contact. So, if you can work on re- uh, restoring Bronson's
3: contact, I'd appreciate that. Contact. While we while we keep. Well, he, he might be just married. have to. Yeah, legal on. disclaimer one more time. Right. It's not from my gun safe. It's from Browning, directly from Browning <laughs> <laughs> Arms. So I don't get in trouble for, you know, Bobby's trying to get me in trouble. That, might get that, guess, someone, someone registered or whatever. They it's get him directly the from law, <laughs> our good friends at Browning. Yes, it yeah. made it possible. You know, Browning makes safe. <laughs> yes, they do. They make some good-looking stuff. No, they safes, make all so. kind of good gear. I well, like we're
1: having Apple fun Street. with it. It's a brand-new right. gun, unfired. Yep. Uh, Toxies uh, never touched it, as a matter of fact. so. Right. And let me just tell you, that's probably a really good yeah, it's thing. New, now, <laughs> new in the box.
0: <laughs> never misses the chain. can't <laughs> believe it, man. <laughs>
1: yeah. Okay, so, Jason, I just want to congratulate you. That was the best run contest we've ever done.
3: Sure was. It, it, but,
1: absolutely. Be the man the horn. That's yeah. what you
3: tell everybody,
1: Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> uh go Jason. Yeah, we sure appreciate you, Jason McKeller. So, uh what what else have we got to cover, Laney?
0: you know, I'm just uh Kind of in a whirlwind over here. It it is game-keeping season. So, you know, it's a whirlwind around here. We're thinking, I I can't even keep my mind straight, which is, you know, hard for me to do anyway. It's impossible. It's impossible to do, especially this time of year. Doctor, what are you doing right now? Move it or
3: lose it time of year. (laughs) That's right. Preparing to drain the swamp. and Praying for rain at the Finishing (laughs) up on some crop stuff we planted for. uh, Doing a little clover spraying. Ah. Uh, We're trying to get some timber cut, but that's up to timber cutters and lumber mills. So, that'll help. Pretty Obviously, difficult, right? Yeah, now. Yeah, uh, but we, we've got it lined up. But it's just like all in good time. You can't make that happen. Like no. exactly when you want to. No doubt about it. But the biggest thing I stress over is like the whole waterfowl thing. Because I mean, you know, the turkeys, the deer, and we just got through either we hatched them or we didn't on turkeys. And we're gonna have a good phone crop. We always do. And but if you miss out on a bunch of food and if you don't all get the happy now. all the happy grounds for your waterfowl, you miss them, and you have to retrain them. And, it goes backward. They're migratory. We borrow them from somewhere else. So
0: mm-hmm.
3: I'm just always. So duck season
0: begins in July here.
3: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I usually have made myself a note. I don't really do other than maybe if we plant some corn or milo, mm-hmm. you know, that has to get in earlier. The more so stuff, don't even touch it till up in the middle of July. So my like turn the page is always July 4th. Don't even think about it till then. Yeah. So and we try to get it in
0: the round between then. Yeah. First, no, of this August, year's going to be usually.
3: different. I mean, yeah. moisture preservation may be a giant thing this year. So. Whenever we can plant guys' choice in the mud, uh, that's when we want to do this. Yes. And I'm excited. We've got a little tweak in the formulation this year for the first time. In a while I'm pretty excited about this, I think yeah. it's going to be a, a demonstrably better product. I really do. Demonstrably, yeah. That, no, that that's good. using one of those big, of those big uh, words, like graduate man. degree words.
0: yeah.
3: A heck of a lot better product. Well, I'm, <laughs> <There
0: you go. laughs>
1: I'm, I'm glad to see you excited about something. I mean, I'll it,
3: it, stay excited about Yeah, he's always things. pumped about <laughs> That's The only problem is there's too many things to get excited about. It kind of you focus get, your excitement. Yeah, you, you get flooded.
1: So before that. we bring on our guests, I got one more piece of business that we need to tend Bits. to. Bits. And um, Richie, have you got a commercial for us?
2: Um, let's see here. Well, I guess commercial wise, did you guys hear what uh, Riley did last night?
1: Riley. Uh, oh, it was incredible. Riley, from our warehouse, took a AR, I, th- I think it was a Springfield AR, one of their black guns, with an ATN scope, uh-huh. and he got in a mess of pigs. They he wear them out? And the footage, I, we'll have to show, share it on Instagram, but yeah. he... Uh, the. <laughs> Look, there were probably fifteen pigs, and he shot seventeen times. And when it was all over with, there, there,
0: there were three dead pigs. Oh well, <laughs> <laughs> one dead. I was thinking one. Well, three's
1: better than one. So, so I'll say this: he, he killed three pigs with the first four shots. Yeah. Or he hit three pigs with the first four <laughs> shots. The next fourteen shots, I don't know where they went. I know
3: how that. I know the feeling, Riley. Yeah, that next fourteen sounded more like the Riley I'm used to. Yeah, that's exactly right.
1: <laughs>
0: well, look, but the footage, Richie, being a TV producer, did you get? So he recorded this on his ATV. Yeah, it's incredible yeah
2: you can you can record internally on sd a micro sd card there on scope Ah. so it's full 1080 uh you know full hd uh, and some really good footage
0: riley is gonna make instagram yeah he is what do you remember the the technician oh yeah oh i like it riley the technician (laughs) what about
2: what scope was that (laughs) so it
0: was an atn excite 4k 5 uh, 20 power well the Oh, well, yeah, well, of course it is. It's incredible. So, <laughs> but
1: look, guys, if y'all would go to atncorp.com and check that out, if you've got pigs, this is – we're going to talk about the ultimate solution for pigs. In yes, we've minutes. been like, waiting this, on this
0: for years. I'm yeah, glad we're talking about it today.
1: This is something a guy can do. In the meantime, you know, I always thought the uh, – well, we'll just – we'll save that for later. But okay. this, Although, well, you
4: know, all these, for lack of a better term, night vision scopes and such were – always out of reach it's like buying a new car and now That's they're probably, very they're much in reach yeah and, ATM
0: and the makes technology and is really in range finders yeah
1: i'm excited taxi you've got mm-hmm. one i'm excited to get to hear some feedback from you this later this summer when you get active uh what, doing that so all right guys thank you richie for that 18.com y'all time. check them out they're great yeah. folks so look, today we're we're gonna talk about something that interests all of us and many of our gamekeepers, especially ones here in the south. But the plague. We've got Dr. Glenn Gentry that is with us. Richie, if we could there we go. He's from LSU. He's from the Ag Center at LSU, and he has worked the last ten years to develop a toxicant or a poison, if you will for wild pigs, feral swine and this is uh, and that, that I think they will will get him to tell us a little bit more about it but Glenn, thank you for being here.
2: Quite welcome, quite welcome. I always like to try to share what we're doing down here. Well LSU. Well it's uh, you know
1: uh, you're the first person we've had from LSU on and uh, we've, <laughs> we've had a lot of different schools and also joining us is Bronson Strickland. Now Bronson, are you still there? I'm here.
5: You got a deer behind you, Bronson. Look out.
0: You're getting charged. Bronson is actually at the beach. He doesn't look like it. It looks like he's in the Midwest
1: somewhere. And what a warrior and a friend to our podcast to make time at the beach to, to join us. Bronson, we appreciate that.
0: Well, happy to,
4: Bobby. Anytime. If he's anything like how my family does the beach, we go out in the morning and about now when it's too hot, we come back. Yeah, it's and eat, miserable. Take it's a miserable. break and then
0: the ten to two. Go back out. out.
4: So anyway, I hope that's what's going
5: on. The family just came in and made a uh, homegrown tomato and ba- bacon sandwiches.
3: Mm. And I ain't uh, making my stomach they- growl. Man, oh
5: yeah!
3: Give it a whole the whole horn yeah, twenty one right. gun salute for that. Was yeah. A, yeah, my favorite.
4: Well, we're eating some peach cobbler from uh, Chilton County peaches. Yeah, am that, I right? That's, yeah, Chilton, that's right. You hand picked these peaches.
1: Hands forged. He brought them. Foraged them. <laughs> yeah. Forged. You are. Oh, look,
0: let's 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 quit. Let's let's get to Glenn. Glenn, yes. can
4: we've been. You,
0: wh- I mean, I, I think we've been hearing about this for. Several years now, right? Yeah. yeah. So, Glenn, what
1: is the status of this poison?
0: Well, you know, we started probably
2: 18 years ago uh, working on developing a toxin using sodium nitrite. And and that's something that the feds are really interested in because it's really environmentally friendly. Um, it reacts with the environment. It doesn't give you the pyramid effect that you see with other pesticides. And uh, we've incorporated incorporated into our bait matrix, which is basically a fish meal. And we can dehydrate aging carp and use it in our bait. Uh, And some people have suggested we might be able to use one invasive species to control another. So um, we're on the cusp, we're ready to start some EPA trials. And um, it works, the pigs pigs will die in about two and a half to three hours if they get a a lethal dose. Uh, If they don't get a lethal dose, uh, they'll come back the next night and do it all over again. So it's very humane. It doesn't hurt the pig. They're not shy uh, from it. So we're really excited about where we are right now when we're fixing to try to start our EPA
0: trials to go on the route of getting this thing registered. Man, that's awesome. And, and what you're saying, it seems, I was looking at part of the studies too, they're more attracted to dried fish than anything?
2: Yes, we we had to go through several different iterations to come up with a bait matrix. Uh, one of the more uh, interesting parts was preferences in pigs. And we tried all kinds of things. We always compared it to whole shell corn. And it wasn't until we offered uh, a fresh bass that was caught here at the lake on the station, and the pig showed no preference um, until we got onto this dehydrated fish. Uh, some work coming out of Texas, Parks and Wildlife said pigs are calories. So we figured we just removed some water. From the fish to increase caloric intake, and from that point on, the pigs went right to it. They will. Uh, the bait has been designed to where, if there's a corn pile or a corn feeder, uh, they will leave the corn, consume the bait, and then go back to eating the corn. So that's the the direction that
0: we took. And that sounds that's, pretty damn awesome to me. Well yeah. thought out. <laughs> yeah, and did you,
1: did yes. I understand that you guys have been working on this for about ten years?
2: Yeah, it's, it's about age 10 years. You know, they, they came to me. I'm a reproductive physiologist, so I'm used to artificial insemination and, and that sort of thing. And they were looking for somebody to head up these studies on pigs and asked me if I thought I could kill pigs. And I said, well, yeah, it should be a big issue. Uh, turned out to be a bigger issue than I thought. And and so it's taken us about eight years uh, to get to where we are right now. Once you go through the preference trials to figure out what they like, how do you incorporate it in a bait? And for a long time, uh, sodium nitrite we thought had to be encapsulated because if you if you take sodium nitrite, it's very hygroscopic, which means it will pull moisture from the air. So if you, if you take a cup and, and put that much sodium nitrite in the bottom, especially in Louisiana and southern Mississippi and set it outside, come back a couple hours later, the cup will be half full of water and the sodium nitrite will be dissolved. In that process, it converts to compounds that aren't as lethal. So we thought for a long time that uh, we were going to have to encapsulate these little grains. And we tried that. We got so good at it that we could feed a pig four times the lethal dose and it wouldn't affect the pig. It'd go all the way through them. So at that point, I decided that it was probably out of my wheelhouse. So I contacted uh, the Department of Chemistry on LSU's campus, Dr. John Pullman. He was uh, nice enough to get involved. They found out that if we we shift that bait matrix, the the, the matrix that holds the sodium nitrite, to the alkaline side, so it needs to be 7.5 on the pH scale or 8, the sodium nitrite doesn't convert, which was a game changer for us. At that point, we no longer had to uh, encapsulate it, and uh, the pigs actually preferred that to the encapsulated sodium nitrite.
3: Wow. Oh, wow. Well, that, that's Fascinate. interesting Fascinate, what you say yeah.
2: about
4: the nitrite because a lot of the nitrogenous fertilizers, if they're exposed to air, a chemical reaction takes place and, yes. and a they bunch of water forms.
2: Hmm. Yep. Right. That, that That's correct. And and for those of y'all that are familiar with the livestock and we have what you call nitrate poisoning, it happens with cattle. Basically, if you spill a bunch of uh, ammonium nitrate or or urea on the ground and they consume it, it can kill them. It's the same process that that happens to the pigs is when they consume the sodium nitrite, uh, their blood can no longer carry oxygen. So basically they just suffocate from
0: the inside out. And what about, uh, any residual effects to humans if they ate them afterwards?
2: Uh, Interestingly enough, we did some uh, lethal uh, LD90 trials, which was a, a trial to determine the lethal dose to kill 90% of the population, which is a standard in work. And uh, we found it in pigs to be 188 parts per million. Uh, when we did the studies uh, and we went all the way up 210 parts per million, we killed pigs. So when you, when you run it through the statistical database, it tells you that it's 188. The FDA says that humans can consume up to 200 parts per million in a finished human product. So basically, it takes less to kill a pig than we can consume and be all
0: right, according to the FDA. And, and this is pretty common preservative in, in bacon, isn't it? Yeah. Ironically.
2: If you had bacon this morning or sausage, you can consume sodium nitrite. Right. Uh,
4: sodium nitrite. And okay. there's nitrates as well, but this is a nitrite, correct? This is nitrite. That is correct. Mm-hmm. Not nitrate, okay. nitrite. I did a little study, and, and uh, supposedly we get uh, about 80% of our intake just from eating vegetables. Hmm. Uh, not even... Not even cured meats. Uh, you know how you is see, that
3: natural occurring? You think it's through the you know, like you process. can get
4: bacon and it says no artificial preservatives. Well, right. they're using like celery, celery juice now yeah. because mm-hmm.
0: it it's a nitrate or a nitrite.
4: Uh, that I don't know. But they, I know it is. They perform similarly.
1: Hmm. So, Glenn, what about like raccoons or possums or, or or even I'll say this: what bears? Is there any any other critters that this is? Dangerous too?
2: Sodium nitrite will kill any mammal at the right concentration. Uh, Interestingly enough, different species have different uh, critical levels. We don't know what a bear is. Um, Rabbits are 500 parts per million. Uh, Deer are about 207 parts per million. Pigs are 188. Uh, So, within the bait design and the delivery system, we've tried to build in some safeguards to where when we put the thing on the landscape, we want to make sure we're delivering it to pigs. That's one reason we work real hard on getting them to leave the corn to consume the bait and then go back to eating the corn. So yes, it is detrimental to to most mammals at the right concentration.
3: Yeah, but at least the wisdom of the fish—they consume it. But I would think that would be very rare for deer to, yeah, I would ingest too. or Craig. eat or crave yeah. any of that. That'll and quite a few actually, yeah. you know.
2: We, we, we have a captive whitetail on the station and red deer uh, here at, at Ottawa Research Station. And we took baits that did not contain sodium nitrite, but had everything else in it, and put it in the feeders where they eat their feed. And the deer ate around them. They didn't even come close to them Yeah, we did find out, though, that crows love it. So crows come in, uh, anything that consumes fish, raccoons would love it, bears would love it.
3: Uh, that sort of thing. Do you anticipate that it will be become um, in come into effect as just a totally just a federal or state control thing where consumers be able to buy it? We have to get licensed to use it. I mean, what do you think? If you are just guessing, I know I'm asking you to. If, if guess. I was
2: gonna, if I was gonna guess, I would think at the very least you would need a private pesticide applicator's license to buy it. Okay. Uh, probably more likely it's going to be a commercial. Uh, Pesticide license, but the regu- the regulatory uh, agencies in each state will have to determine that. Right.
4: So yeah. I'm, I'm sure a lot of our listeners right now are thinking, and uh, you know, some of us can't help it. Like, could I? Would it be okay if some n- other nest predators got it? You know, and I, I'm assuming that's not going to pass muster with the feds. And uh. so this delivery device. Uh, can you explain that more and how that works to keep the non-targets away?
2: Well, uh, what we've developed uh, here is basically a cellular-based system. It works very similar to the gates that they use to catch pigs. So a camera picture comes in uh, on a corn pile or a wildlife feeder. Uh, if there's pigs there, uh, you can text the machine. It will release a predetermined number of baits onto the landscape, um, and then. Basically, you're going to have to go back out there and and uh look afterwards to make sure there's none left on the landscape. Um there's some other groups working on sodium sort of nitrite. They've they've run into some issues with bird kills. And and uh the baits basically uh when they're consumed, have little crumbs. Our bait is more the consistency of a a gummy bear. And I hate to say that because somebody told me at one point that Harbro was going to call me and get on to me for comparing our toxic baits. To <laughs> but but we, we built it that way on purpose so that you don't have a lot of crumbs falling off the edge when a pig eats it. So you can actually take this bait and bounce it. So uh, whenever the bait goes out, uh, there's going to be a label and you're going to have to follow that label. And I tell everybody, now we're in Louisiana. we got the Louisiana black bear. The first time we kill a, a Louisiana black bear with this, Wildlife Services is going to pull it off the pull it off the market, I'm sure. So people need to be very careful about how they apply this to pigs.
1: Well, so if you had to – Bronson, are you still there? Well, I, I, I didn't forget it, about it you. I went fish how exciting is this to you, Bronson? You're in here in Mississippi, and this is one of the topics that you spend so much time talking about.
5: Yeah, exciting. And Glenn, as I've told you before, I'm so glad there are people like you willing to, to work on the, the unglamorous side of uh, wildlife management and wildlife issues like this. So we really appreciate it. We started doing uh, wild pig education events about 15 years ago. And uh, I remember those very first meetings saying that we're probably three to five years away from having a toxin, because it's literally been talked about for, for that long. But there have been so many issues like Glenn was talking about. It's, it's not just coming up with a humane and effective toxin. You got to think of the, the secondary issues and the non-target species. You got to think about the regulatory mechanisms and hoops you're going to have to go through. So, it it has really taken a, a long time to get to where we are, and as Glenn mentioned, there's uh, the U.S. Department of Agriculture is also working on a similar sodium nitrite based product and delivery system, and uh, there's also a warfarin based toxicant that uh, it's not uh, it hasn't been labeled in any state yet, but there's hopefully five to 10 years from now, we're going to have a lot of different choices, options of, uh, of what to do. So Bobby, I guess I'll come back to where you started with the question. It's very exciting, very happy that we have more tools in the toolbox, but I I will say this, and I'm not going to shock Glenn because when I say this, because he and I've talked about this, this isn't going to be a magic bullet. It's not going to be, we've got a toxicant and we're going to do like, uh, USDA does with uh, rabies and raccoons, where fixed wing aircraft just flies and drops baits down uh, throughout Alabama and Georgia, et cetera. It's not gonna be like that. It's gonna take a lot of uh, time. You're gonna have to have qualified people that are gonna be able to deliver the toxicant. And the way I say it is, it's just gonna be yet another tool in our pig management toolbox
1: so uh, when I look, Glenn, when I look through your presentation, thank you, Bronson. The uh, it looked like it's something similar to the, this had been done on a uh, on an island somewhere where there was a pig problem.
2: Yeah, how did how, I, I? Yeah, I used that particular slide. I heard y'all talking before we started about hunting pigs, and and there was an ATN scope, and and people love it. I hunt them. I love it too. And there's a group of folks out there that are worried about of losing those pigs
0: to Mm. hunt Mm. as hunting opportunity. Man, we got plenty around here. (laughs) I don't know. Sorry, folks. (laughs) Sorry. There'll
3: always be plenty for you.
2: (laughs) But but believe it or not, they like to ran me out of Grant Parish one night for giving this talk because they wanted to stop the toxicant work. But anyway, um, that slide is about Santiago Island, which is off the, the coast in the Pacific of South America. And it's probably 12 to 15 miles long and probably four miles wide. And they decided they were going to eradicate pigs on this island. And they did. They used shooting. They used trapping. They used poisons. And it took them 30 years to do it. Wow, so <laughs> if, if you can imagine comparing that to North America, um, it's it's never going to happen. No. Like Bronson like said, it's, usually, it's going to be a strategic tool to be used. I mean, think about rats. We've been poisoning rats for fifty years, and we still have rats. <laughs> it's going to be the same same thing yeah. with pigs. We're not going to knock all the pigs out at one time.
1: Well, I'd, uh, I I kind of was hoping for a little bit different tone to yeah. this uh, this podcast. <laughs> Ray, it's a on. great but, tool, you know. And, and,
0: and I, we've been struggling. I mean, even trap and shooting, like everybody said, nobody can get ahead of them. So well, you think yeah. we can and put so, in our arsenal to help us? We got beyond to, the
3: the the news breaking news about the toxicant and the, you know, where we are on all that is, and you're talking to two people who have probably gathered as much data, uh, whether it's numbers or just anecdotal own hogs and all the situations going out there. So it'd probably be great to, you know, to talk about that because they do know as of today, what are some of the best things and techniques to, to use to, because, you know, i just like for me, all I can do is my place. So, right. you know, I can work on that. And it's, you know, they'll be right back. But you can help, uh, you know, a lot by taking some out. Uh, certainly Absolutely. relieve the pressure if they're not quite as dense. I mean, they're so smart. Usually if you give them much pressure, they kind of move on and, you know.
1: Become somebody else's it, problem. Yeah, I mean, <laughs>
3: for, for at least now. So, I mean, that's one thing to talk to them about because they, they're in the middle of all that, especially Bronson, you know, the things that are people are having success with today. Yeah, so, Bronson, can you address some
1: of that?
5: Yeah, so I guess it's, uh, I think Glenn made a, a great comparison there with uh, with rats or anything like that.
3: Yeah, he did, excellent. <laughs> um,
5: the, uh, p- pigs are, are literally everywhere now in, in the South, in the South. And uh, sure, in Louisiana, similarly, I, I say, I think there's pretty much uh, a lot of evidence there there's at least a pig in every 82 counties in Mississippi, some places a lot worse than than others. And typically when you start seeing success, it is people working together in a cooperative. So it's just very easy to imagine if you have three or 400 acres and you've got people all around you that uh, uh, are not doing anything to, to trap pigs or or kill pigs in any way, you are never gonna get rid of them. They are providing the refuge adjacent to you. And so we see now with programs, and there's a lot of programs, I'll let Glenn speak for Louisiana, but a lot of these programs are in common. We we now have wildlife services, aerial gunning programs, Uh, the Mississippi Department of Ag and Commerce CS has a pilot program as well in certain counties of Mississippi. So we're really trying to get the word out that it's it's a landscape level issue. Controlling pigs is not a three hundred acre problem; it's no. a three thousand acre problem or greater. <laughs>
3: yes, and
5: so County, it, huh? it takes a lot County's. of people and a lot of effort and a lot of time to be able to make some some real tangible progress.
3: One one thing I do tell people in other parts of the country. That have never had them, and they say, I hear they're 10 miles away. I hear they're five miles. Oh, I saw the first one. I was like, whatever you do, get on top of it as soon as they show up, and you'll be so much so so glad you did down right. the road. I think if you don't have them, you do not. The, the best term I've ever used, I still use it every day and talk about them. They are literally like a biblical plague. I can't imagine locusts was this bad. They're that bad. <laughs> you just can't do anything, and they're so devastating especially in the kind of terrain that's almost impossible to, you know, find them and get them out of and, you know. Sure, like a swamp bomb, yes. like what, what yeah. we've got. impenetrable so. swamp-type places. It's so frustrating.
4: Yeah, and I I mean, uh, they're showing I, – I recreate a lot on public land, and uh, it's just exponentially how bad it's gotten in mm-hmm. recent years. Uh, they're everywhere.
0: So, and not only are they
3: everywhere, they're depleting the resource for the other species is the, you know – the you know, I grew up problems. with them hunting on the lower Alabama River with Daddy in all those years. And they had them, but those, they, and they, you know, they trapped and they shot. But that was a a uh, feral pig that had gone wild, evidently, uh, uh, for a long, a long time ago, because that's 50 years ago they had them. These are different. They are, the density and the problem that they give is just, and guess what I'm getting at, those hogs I grew up with could coexist okay with deer and turkeys and everything else. These don't. No. They take over everything. They destroy. They move to a location, wipe it all out, move on to the next. It's crazy. There are just so many, and you can't get ahead of them.
1: Yeah. So, Glenn, are you hearing stories like that? Uh, obviously, your your ear is uh, in the wind of pig talk.
2: Yeah, yes, we, we hear the same thing in Louisiana. And, and, and part of the reason that we where we are Number one is the reproductive rate of these things. I mean, it's yeah. astronomical uh, if you look at the numbers. But the other reason that we're where we are is because of people transporting pigs to different parts and releasing them to increasing, increase their hunter opportunity. And that's the reason that that uh, Louisiana passed the, the law that says basically it's illegal to transport feral swine. And any uh, uh, Leo can enforce that in Louisiana because... Uh, once they're so adaptable, I've seen pictures, Bronson can, can speak on this. They'll survive well in the desert. I've seen pictures of them in Canada in two, two feet of snow, just as fat as they can be. Wow! So they're, they're very adaptable. So when you release them, they just basically take over.
0: Hmm.
1: Hmm. Hmm. Bronson, didn't something just get passed in Mississippi and yeah. maybe in the last week or so?
5: Yeah, just like Glenn mentioned, uh, it's now illegal to transport uh, a non-domestic pig of any kind. So it kind of seems obvious for for the last decade or so, it's been illegal to transport, quote, wild pigs or wild hogs. Mm. But the workaround that some people were using is, well, I'm taking it from point A to point B to, to feed it out. And so there absolutely are some people that are truly doing that. You know, they, they genuinely have a, a, a good purpose that they're really, they have caught a hog and they're gonna take it to, to home or wherever and feed it out and, and eat it. But unfortunately, because that's the world we live in, that gets abused. And people were saying that, hey, that's what they're doing when really what they were doing is they were releasing them somewhere else. So it's another case of where we we, we have to have a a law that applies to everybody, and and it may hurt a few people that were going to do the right thing. But bottom line now is you cannot transport them whatsoever. There there are no permits or anything that are going to allow you to transport a wild-looking hog from, from point A to point B.
1: So, Bronson, would you help explain, and and we may be just going into your opinion here, but I understand there's some states, like Missouri being one, that's not allowing their hunter population to specifically hunt wild pigs. And could you kind of explain that mindset, why why they're thinking that? This is one of
5: those that it kind of gets into some psychology here, but we call it in the, I guess, the pig management world, we call it the Kansas model. And it's really only effective if you have an emerging population. Populations are just beginning to see evidence of them uh, uh, coming to or colonizing a particular state or county. And and the logic is what Kansas did is that um, they were not going to allow people to hunt wild hogs in Kansas to completely remove the incentive of people moving hogs to Kansas for the purpose of hunting. Mm. Does, does that make sense? Yeah, well, I, bit, see yeah. yeah, what yeah I see what they're, going, mm-hmm. what they're
0: going for, for sure.
5: And I'm not going to be one of these people moving and releasing wild, wild pigs in, in Kansas. And so you have a lot of different places like that. Tennessee did that about a decade ago, and I think it helped. They were seeing wild pig populations pop up county to county, throughout the state from from west to east. And so they just made it illegal, you can no longer as recreation, hunt wild pigs. So that removes the incentive of you moving them and releasing them. Now you sit back and say, Well, what does a landowner do? Well, of course, in Tennessee, a landowner can can still hunt them. A landowner has the right to do that. But it generally removes the incentive of people moving them around the landscape and turning them loose. Yeah. Man, I
3: think about And that's one that
5: it's really hard for I people remember. to to under, understand that. Yeah, well, like, I you, think you know, about you biologists and wildlife managers are, are saying, you know, kill them, kill them, but you're taking away kind of the perf of it. And, and it's really intended for places where populations are just starting.
1: Okay. That makes sense.
3: I was just, what I was going to say is one of the old tense of wisdom from my dad. Would always said, be careful what you ask for, son. You might get it. And I mean those people doing this and moving them to an area have no idea what they're messing with. Yeah. And and I say that not out of like I do detest them. I hate to use the word hate. I hate to use the word hate. (laughs) But there's no seeking a balance with this the bunch like we have. There's no balance. They completely turn the table upside down with all other things. And so that's why it's such a detriment to Mm -hmm. the environment. It's just mm. inc- unbelievable how destructive they are. Right? If you don't have them, and I guess different terrains are different, you know, and they're worse. And particularly the ones right around here at home, worse than anywhere. Um, I've never seen anything. we got a lot of stuff taken away what we do as land managers, gamekeepers, as hunters and stuff. But I've never seen anything, the destruction of what pigs do, with nothing else.
1: So, hey, Glenn, can you, uh, and you're or brushing you either, but... Uh, can y'all speak to the dollar amount nationally that they are attributing to wild pigs? Crop damage?
2: I think the last number I, I saw, it used to be a one and a half billion, but I think it's over two billion now, mm. if I remember right. That
0: was just on me amount. right there. Yeah. <laughs> damage. I didn't count how many all. That's right. That's just crop damage.
2: And, and Sean Tanger, I think he works now up there with Bronson and them in Mississippi. He was an ag economist, did some work just in Louisiana. And in 2015, uh, he reported that it cost Louisiana ag producers $75 million uh, in damage from pigs. Now, we just got some more preliminary data this year, and it looks like it's going to be upwards of 80 to 85 million. So it, it is a large economic to these ag producers?
5: Landowners and producers, and I believe it's 16 states from, say, Texas to Virginia, um, they are getting surveys from the USDA. And that is from a perspective, the number Glenn mentioned a moment ago, of, and we've used it for close to two decades now, $1.5 billion nationally. Everybody that's kind of in this world recognizes that is likely a, a vast underestimate. Yes. And, and what is interesting, I think something Toxia alluded to a moment ago. When we surveyed producers, what was what was really uh, interesting to learn is that they can typically stomach the loss of bushels per acre. It, you know, it, it's terrible that they lost an acre, ten acres, whatever of corn or soybean. But what was really most expensive was the infrastructure damage to the field, road, Mm. or for our rice farmers. And I've had so many people, when we're giving our educational events, they'll come up afterwards and say, and we made a huge mistake by not addressing it. And literally, in just that amount of time, three
4: to five years, if they go unchecked, it will devastate a property. Yes. Mm. Yeah, and we, we talk about all these numbers with, with crop damage, but uh, what about the you know the recreational value? Well, not and,
3: only that, I uh, mean, just the, we're not, the wildlife. We're and, not reforesting our oaks anymore out there. Right. Just we, so uh, dense, eradicate them. They they move and morph. They go to the, you know we got a lot of crop land around there. They'll they'll hit that, and then when the acreage fall, they're so concentrated, and we're literally not seeing reforestation of those seed species. Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. anymore they wipe out if there's you know any acorns at all even if they're a couple of inches down in the mud they root them up they can smell them and and they'll keep they'll keep on even into late spring you know something that might have germinated until uh it the best i can tell until it's germinated a couple of weeks they'll still eat that too Wow.
4: You know, and think about all the grubs yes. and, and insect larvae they're digging up and eating. The turkey should be eating the next, you know, it's... it's uh, So, Glenn, can you, uh when
1: you look in your crystal ball, how long away do you think it is before this toxicant that you're working on might be made available?
2: Well, right now we're trying to work with the EPA to get some field trials off the ground. And there's all kinds of permits that are outrageous and expensive that are required. Um, once we, get, once we get those done, and I'm hoping we're going to get those done in the next six to eight months, uh, my understanding is that that is submitted to a peer-reviewed journal. When it's accepted, the data goes to the EPA. They review it. They've actually got 24 months, I think two years, to review uh, the data and make a determination. Now, when the when the kaput bait hit uh, the EPA, I don't think it took them two years. They, they did that pretty quick, and I would imagine that any poison that comes online uh, is gonna be looked at pretty quick because of the political pressure from folks wanting to do do something about this. So my guess is um it's probably gonna be another four, five years maybe before something hits the hits the, the mark. I think Texas is moving forward, Texas pumps in my life with theirs, and they're saying it may be 2026 uh, for theirs. So my guess is in the next probably five to 10 years, I'll go out 10 years, there's probably going to be multiple products on the market to help control feral pigs. The problem is it's five to 10 years away, and we got we to gotta deal with them during that amount of
3: time. That's why yeah. I brought up any advice the two of you had for the broader public. We have certainly all ears. Uh, right, right. Wow.
1: Well,
5: hey Glenn, I've got a story to, to share with you. Uh, about 10 years ago, of uh, i used to show up a, a slide from louisiana that was from the uh your state wildlife agency had shared from your your annual harvest estimates deer harvest etc and and it was well over a decade ago louisiana hunters were harvesting more pigs than white-tailed deer and when i was given educational events here in mississippi i used to say Let's don't be like that. Let's get on top of this. Let's, and and when I was doing that, it was estimated at that time, again, now we're going back 15 years. Mm -hmm. The estimates were Mississippi hunters were killing about 30,000 a year. They were killing about 225,000 white-tailed deer. Right. Two years ago, we became like Louisiana. We're now harvesting over 300,000 pigs and just recreational harvest. Hmm. Wow. We are now harvesting in Mississippi more pigs than we are deer. Uh, so, so this is this is a really, really big deal.
2: Jim Lacour showed some numbers, Bronson, uh, the other night at a talk that we gave. Uh, and I think last year in Louisiana, we killed over 600,000 pigs. Wow. Um, which was up from the previous year of 400,000. The problem is uh, they estimate we have about a million to a million two in the state and we need to remove 75% of them to keep numbers wow. static quo. Wow. So we're still way under where we need to be, but, but it's, it's, they are doing better
0: as far as taking pigs out. Wow.
2: Lenny, it uh, looks like you got a
0: question. Well, just a quick question. You know, <clears throat> the, just wondering about the economics of it. Do you have any idea on a consumer level, what this kind of stuff's going to cost?
2: The toxic toxicant that we're working on, yeah. Um, I have not a clue um, what it's going to cost. It's it's very cheap for us to make on our side. That's good. Um, I, that's I can a good get, sign. <laughs> I can get I can get two pounds of um, of uh, sodium nitrite for about forty bucks. All right. And it takes it takes uh, eight grams to kill a hundred pound hog, which we use in each one of our baits. The problem that you run into. Is um I talked about the experimental use permit, so we're thinking we're probably going to have to get one we may not. that permit for two years is three hundred and fifty six thousand oh. dollars once once you get the permit and you do your work and you submit it, if you decide to register the chemical, you're looking at anywhere from ten to fifteen million just to register the chemical with the federal government so mm. No, LSU, yeah. Y'all are
1: LSU. LSU. Yeah. <laughs> <you know? laughs> Take a little money out of the football program. And,
3: you know. hey, hey, that's that's a guy from Auburn telling you, <laughs> telling you, telling his finger at you? <laughs> are you kidding me? LSU,
2: I think LSU's position is this. We're not interested in getting into the, uh, the of making and selling of pig toxic. Probably what's going to happen is we're going to end up selling this package down the road after we show that it works
3: right. and then
2: another company will take it and run with it so to answer your question yeah, sure. the ingredients are relatively cheap mm-hmm. the the red tape you have to go is pretty expensive so i i couldn't begin to tell you how much it would cost
0: gotcha mm-hmm. so if uh, i go catch a bunch of bass and dehydrate them and mix them with that 40 pounds of sodium nitrite I mean, is it? You there just a, committed a felony. <laughs> I did. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, we uh, need just to mark that time, yeah, mark that time, Cody
3: <laughs> <laughs> like, by, uh, I want to get to work
0: now. So has <laughs> <he, laughs> it. Uh, I don't want to wait.
3: It reminds me of when, uh, Gary was showing a fellow works for us the first days at the cabin. Yeah. And there's a big area in front. There's a bunch of wildflowers that my mom, and so there's weeds and stuff in it too. But it's a beautiful little area right there. But the point, being it's like he was asking how do i I mow this Where do i weed where you know you know do i do down the lake do i fish feeders just the ins and outs of being out there and he said that's kind of a grown-up spot right there in front of that Kevin, you need me to knock that down he said if you mess with that you on your own, brother. <laughs> <laughs> that's Miss Evelyn's spot. So that's right. Lane, if you do that, you're on I'm your on own. own yeah. Yeah.
1: Hey, Glenn, taxi uh, Toxie raised his hand when he said y'all were doing doing some some trials. I think he might want to put fit. me
3: in
4: coach if I need to <laughs> qualify for a spot. Yeah. yeah. And our local wildlife refuge. Yes. Yeah.
0: We, you won't have we, a problem getting up that.
2: I have not a problem with people volunteering their places for these trials. But
0: right?
3: we're
2: trying to what we're trying to do is is in because convince them that it's limited field trial, so we don't have to pay the 356000 it, And we're going to start right here on our research station uh, and stay 300
3: yards from the property line. Yeah, and I don't, I don't mind at all if y'all limited to just my place. That'd be great.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, Glenn, is there anything about this that that we haven't asked you that you need to make sure that you speak to?
2: Oh, it's, it's just one of those things, and, you know, people need to understand that it is going to be a toxic, even though it's in our food. And we have it in bacon as a preservative and that sort of thing. They do need to realize that it is a toxicant and it is toxic at certain levels to people right. and other animals. So we need to be very careful how we apply this, the one that we work it on or whichever one comes to, to market, because if it's done improperly, it's going to be a problem. Um, we talked about the, the crumbles uh, from the work that was done with uh, the Texas group. And the problem with the crumbles is um, it doesn't, you know, a little finch comes in and eats a little crumble. It doesn't take much to kill a finch. Right.
3: Mm-hmm. But, you can't but, we? Can't, I mean, we can't that, have that. You can't,
2: we, that's yeah. not acceptable. So, so yeah.
3: do you think you know, that uh, maybe a little bit of a cottage industry might arise where people that maybe do animal damage control can specialize and get more? I would think they get could command a pretty big premium. If they get good at this, you know, to go around and they could be licensed and, you know, they, that way you could make sure people were not misusing it. And I'd love for the public to be able to handle it however see fit, but I can see how that could get out, you know, be dangerous to get out of control. So it may emerge as like some of these animal damage control units that are kind of small and people doing that now trapping it all too. Might might get pretty lucrative for them if they do a good job.
2: Right, right. And that wouldn't surprise me that wouldn't surprise me. We had a group down here working on a feeder and and they were not interested in getting into the poisoning business, but they were going to lease their feeder to state agencies like Wildlife and Fisheries when something came online for them to take care of the poison.
3: So other question, and I thought this actually I don't, who knows the rumors, but I thought this was coming out of Auburn or somewhere. But years ago, I heard there was, they were on the verge of having a sterilant Mm -hmm. where they would, it would at least, if the hog ate it, it would knock them out of their next like menstrual cycle at least doing that. And so if you were trapping and, you know, you could could maybe make a little progress instead of the rapid, you know. So I don't know. It seems like that might be something you could fine tune. I know it's more complicated chemically, but. But you could fine tune it maybe it only affected hogs, you know. The,
2: the 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 problem with that is is most of those treatments are transitory. Wow. Meaning that yeah. they last for a certain amount of time and then they wear off and the pig then becomes reproductively competent again. Right. So that's it's it's gotta have to be something that's that's absolutely permanent for it to work.
3: Right. Well I was just thinking mm-hmm. at the time if they would make it, I guess if you made it even even what you're talking about with its drawbacks, if you made it um, where it was specific to pigs somehow chemically, that would be a signature enough to use in combination with the trapping, you could actually knock them down from trapping more than you would on its own, you know, especially if it gave you a little time. So, you know, it might it might aid in that manner. But you know, another thing for as far as a, a marketing of the product, if it's if it was ever fine-tuned to be safe and only targeting pigs, then you would keep selling to people to keep their pigs sterile, you know. So right. that would be the right. key. I don't know how you do that. I'm not a chemist. But if you could get it targeted to pigs, that would be a big help, you know, if it didn't affect now
1: Glenn, well. you're a reproductive specialist, aren't you? That might be in your wheelhouse.
2: Well, you know, the, the problem in, in, is that pigs are, are so close to humans. I mean, we use pigs to produce organs and, and heart valves that we put in people. So, so the the, the problem is you're going to have to get it in such a way that it's only um, affecting pigs. And then you have to worry about the domestic pig population. Yes. And Louisiana, we don't have a whole lot, but I think if you go to Nebraska and some of those states, and I don't know what it is in Mississippi, but there's probably more pigs out there on a commercial basis. So um, there's things that you can do, but you have to be very, very careful. Uh, There is a school of thought about using um, uh, some of these wildlife diseases that can be infected and and given to pigs. And then pigs venereally pass those to each other that will work for sterilization. But up until this point, nobody's really been uh, open to that idea of putting it on the landscape. And Bronson can probably speak more to that. But that would if if something like that came along and you could be assured that it stayed in the wild pig population, mm. then then people would need to worry about having pigs to shoot because they're gonna they're gonna pass that amongst themselves.
1: Hmm. Is that like a venereal disease for pigs? Is that what I, I understand? I mean, yeah. you're a yep. pro. Or? That sounds
3: like something <laughs> out of a sci-fi movie. I know that's gonna be dangerous. <laughs> there are diseases such for, I know that I remember the great. Uh, turkey biologist pioneer dr hurst and he did all that uh b- groundbreaking research and, sh- and and he had i remember him showing me a graph one time and it was about a i thought he said a seven-year cycle in mississippi where the raccoons population would grow and then the stimper, i think it was would nail them Malcolm. and i know it's different in different areas but he said he could literally chart the success of those nests right in concert with you know the Uh, one year trailing distemper every time the cycles of the bed. Anyway, my point is, are there any natural diseases that are coming up on their own with hogs that might knock them in the head?
2: Um, There are a few. Um, Again, the problem though you run into is uh, people really don't want to introduce any more diseases into the wildlife landscape. Oh yeah. And then you have to worry about the domestic pig production. Even if it's just for pigs, you have to protect those commercial pigs
3: what i was asking is mother nature doing i certainly am not going to be an advocate for introducing a disease now, <laughs> that's out of my bailiwick anyway but that's tenuous ground i can see that going astray and we don't know the ramifications till 10 years down the road i was just wondering about is there anything emerging in mother nature that because you know just like
1: sure wounds and
3: even- distemper or rabies whatever it, what is their headwinds because it i I, I do remember the place we had in Macon for so long that all of a sudden they just disappeared about eight years ago. Mm-hmm. And next they thing did. you know, we had a big rebu- rebirth in turkey population. Yeah. Now they're back thick again, but we never trapped them. We never hunted them back. Something happened naturally that knocked them out for, I don't know, four or five years. It sure did. And Black we a big burst in the turkey population. Now that they're back, there's not that many turkeys down there. And kill one in probably three years.
1: Bronson, you got a thought on that?
5: Yeah. So, wild pigs do have some diseases, natural diseases. Pseudo rabies is one, swine brucellosis is one. Um, USDA samples for those all the time, various influenza viruses as well. But unfortunately, they're not really enough to limit populations at any broad scale. Right. So, like the example Toxie was mentioning, Absolutely, that could be what happened, uh, but it's not something permanent, and it's not something that we see over a very wide scale. Uh, but the biggest disease concern right now, we keep talking about the uh, uh, pork industry, is African swine fever, is uh, has been documented, I believe, now in the, the Caribbean, and uh, that is going to be a really, really big issue if that makes it to the the mainland U.S. And so. Uh, wild pigs could carry that just like wild boar are in Europe and that is going to be of great importance a serious issue to the swine industry in North America mm. if it makes the, the mainland of the of US
3: which mm. is again not picking on pigs I'm picking on them but I'm not it's like they when they become they take everything over they command the whole you know every natural resource and take over then they become so dense that a disease potentially spreading more rapidly is is much greater, you know. So they're just a, they are just a, a ticking time bomb. On so many a aspects. plague. Yes. Yep. Exactly.
1: yep. So, so, Glenn, I think the whole world's cheering for you on this. No, I know they've got problems over in Europe them, yep. with these things, and uh, but, you know, they look at them a little differently than we do. But, but, uh, but look, Glenn, while we, but Glenn, are you still there? We hadn't lost you, have we? Yeah. Yeah, I'm here. Okay, so look, when we have a guest, Bronson's done this numerous times, we like to ask him a few trivia questions, and then if you, we're going to ask you three, and if you get two of the three right, correct, one of our listeners, a guy named uh, M.S. Stewart, who left a review on our podcast, is going to win a prize. So we don't want to put a lot of pressure on you, but let me just tell this story. Our COO, Asif. Is the biggest LSU fan I know. He so is. I texted him last night that we had a guest that was from LSU, and uh, he got so excited and and he wanted to create the trivia questions. So Uh-oh. these trivia questions have <laughs> ha, were were birthed by another LSU person. So we're gonna Dudley's gonna ask you three. You get two of the three right, and Ms. Stewart wins a prize.
0: You're going to tell him to get a phone a friend if he needs to. Well,
1: Bronson is your, your friend, and I don't think Bronson's going to be much help on this yeah, one. But uh, you can holler you at somebody know, down the hall, yeah. though. <laughs>
0: you
4: yeah. never know. I hope you're a big LSU fan based on the look of these questions. Um, okay, so number one, this one looks a little tricky to me.
0: Of course, Osip wrote it. Uh,
4: what <laughs> philosopher's quote uh okay, what philosopher's quote gave Shaquille O'Neal one of his nicknames? And the, the quote is we are what we repeatedly do. Okay, so was it Sophocles? <laughs> was it Nitsky? Was it Aristotle? Or was it Plato? I'm gonna go with the first one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that one is that one is wrong. <laughs> Oh, man. I
0: mean, why do we let Asif write the question? It was Aristotle.
3: <laughs> yeah, well, maybe I, I was just going to say that, but I didn't want to show off. Well, he's got okay. two to go. Yeah, you <laughs> got two to go. <laughs> maybe give him a. What's the mascot? All right. right? <laughs> yeah.
1: All right, here we go. What
4: <laughs> What is the official team nickname of the LSU Tigers? Is it Bayou Bengal, Bayou Cats, Purple and Gold? or fighting tigers. Fighting tigers. Now he got that one ring right. Ring the bell. I ring bell. It. Wow, good yeah. for you. Okay, so All right. Here we go. We got a prize. Last but not least, what is Shaquille O'Neal's shoe size? Is it 22, 19, 24 or 18?
1: Now think about this because you could holler down the hall yeah, at somebody. If
4: you got you can use Google. <laughs> <laughs> well
2: uh twenty-two, nineteen, twenty-four, or eighteen. Hold on. I'm a, I'm gonna go with twenty-two. Oh my goodness. He got it you right.
4: He got it. Nailed it it's up. You you, Good
1: got, job. you got two out of three. So yeah. Uh, so Ms. Stewart uh, need to get in touch with us. You've won a fabulous prize. What what he's won is a year's subscription to the Gamekeeper Magazine. Oh, that's Boom. great!
0: Yeah. <laughs> all right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, Bronson, I just wanted to, and everybody here at the table, thank you for joining us today. And uh, you've got so much expertise in this subject matter. I'm sorry we don't have a question for you, but we're kind, we exhausted all the questions we thought you could answer previously. <laughs>
4: Well, I, I hope you have fun on the beach for the rest of the afternoon and don't have to do any more podcasts. I know you're a popular guy.
0: Yeah, so. you are. For sure.
4: I hope you can get back
0: to your vacation. Go, go catch a shark and scare everybody. That's what we like to do in the afternoons. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get back at it. But thank you, guys. Appreciate, thank you. Uh, thanks, appreciate the Thanks,
5: Bronson.
1: Glenn, thank you so much for for being here with us. And we sure look, uh, what you're doing is super important. And we wish you all the best.
4: Yeah, thanks for the is good there work. A, is there a way folks can read his research? Is there a website or something you want to share with us?
2: Uh, typically, when we were putting all this research together, we didn't spread it too wide because of patent implications and that right, sort of
3: thing. Right. So
2: there's no journal articles. Uh, you can go to our website and there's some, there's some. Uh, we have a magazine called Louisiana Agriculture, and there's several uh, articles on the LSU Center website, uh, www.lsuagcenter.com, uh, where you can actually see some of the articles and how we've developed things over the years.
1: No, that sounds good. Well, I would encourage people to do that. It, this, this sounds like uh, at, at least you guys are trying. That's Oh, what I've all, got at, my pom-poms yeah. cheered for them.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. We need a, a yeah. better solution. Yeah. It's a bright, bright spot on the horizon
1: for yeah. us. The world appreciates what you're doing. So, uh, Is there anybody you want to say hello to before we let you go?
2: Hey, Bronson.
0: There you go. <laughs> Good to talk to you. That's awesome. <laughs> all right,
1: Glenn. Thank you so much yeah, for, being for being on here. here. We really appreciate you it. Thank y'all. Yes, appreciate sir, Glenn. it, Glenn. All right, all right. So, guys, what what did we learn? There's hope. All that stuff, yeah. yeah there's yeah, hope. It's
0: a complicated issue. There's, yeah, it is. You know. And it sounds like it's going to be a, a few years for it's available on a consumer level, um, yeah. but at least there's something you know finally in the works for us. So. Uh, I'm excited.
4: Yeah, we've been hearing about it a while. Yeah. It's, uh, I just for several hope. years, it's nice to be able to actually share no, some coming. of it with folks. And, and I didn't really, but
0: I think it's going to kill coons. I mean, I just don't know if that's right it, or
3: not. Yeah, but be, if the, that's the problem if it doesn't. I mean, we won't think that it targets some other stuff we want to, but I'm sure they're going to prevent it. You know, they're going to let yeah, it, EPA probably That would not it get be out. a
0: good look for no. the overall public. no. Well, mark, mark that time code. Really. Yeah. yeah, and, and, <laughs> and it I mean, bears too. Hey,
3: the good thing is out of my hands, and I'm is, look. I'm steer way clear of any of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we Have get to. about it. It is very, very frustrating about the hawks, but um, uh, you know, I feel like from listening to them, I kind of said that already. That this kind of little cottage industry thing might emerge, and that yeah, might I be very, so. I you know, just the first time he mentioned it. That there's a lot of different things going on, but this is the first time that I've actually known of. Um, people calling in Alabama, because actually I text uh, Chuck Sox about it mm-hmm. because there was uh, someone had talked to Greg and Tom about it. they were flying helicopters or Sumter County. Could they shoot some on us too? And I was like, I want to make sure that's legit, and I checked with him. Oh yeah, that's legit. We're having that done. And mm. he mentioned I can't remember the name of a group that was doing it that was sanctioned by the state or whatever, and. I remember David Hawley talking about they took out like 300 on some clear cut on somebody. Nice. From a helicopter or something like that. Wow. Some such a number. But I think they got maybe a dozen. We got our timber so tall on the place, they, it's hard for them to see them. But I think they, he said they have reported back to them, said they killed like 12, maybe mm. something like that. Wow.
0: It, you talk about the, the industry around it, too. And just looking at some of his research, they've developed and specialized yeah. feeders with cameras on them so that you can tell what's feeding. And then you actually, for what I was reading, you would hit the button and drop the bait right there in front of them remotely. So mm-hmm. kind of interesting to what the other products that will get developed around it. It's not just, you're not just going to yeah. be able to pour That's it on the ground. That's not going to be cheap. The yeah, you're just not going to be able to pour it on the ground and walk away, it doesn't right.
3: sound like. It. No, but it's when you're dealing with one the other lesson, always learn. No matter what is when you're dealing with Mother Nature, you have to be so careful.
0: Absolutely,
3: and so it's it's you know you got I, I, I see these someone I hear they these Asian beetles they're like not actually um, ladybugs but they look like them, oh yeah, yeah. we've got yeah. them they, all a- the Asian oh, ladybird they, beetles they are a epidemic now yeah they are and I mean we we've had everything on the man from the pest control people they, evidently they were brought in to control like an aphid for cotton or something. Well, but,
4: uh, it, uh, is there anything that we have brought over here from no. another country no. with good intentions that has turned out with good
3: results? I don't know that Sh- there Sh- is, Shakira. but I, I'm sure there is. But <laughs> <laughs> to Dudley's point, not very many, I don't think, Yeah, so for It just
4: goes to show we, we need to quit experimenting
1: with that kind yeah,
3: of stuff. just let, be careful. So what
1: they infect your, y'all's cabin, is that right?
3: Yeah, for some reason, yeah, and they leave a, a eggs, I guess, in every fall all the way through the winter. I can literally go in and vacuum a thousand Yeah. on the south wall where it's hotter in the yeah. winter.
4: They get in your shooting houses. Yeah, yeah. This, is, house. this is
3: unbelievable. I mean, I would vacuum a thousand more. They'll get in your car. By that evening, there'll oh, be that, that many back. Wow. Crawling in, dying. And so I don't know what or why, but that one particular place is really infested with them, I and mean, it's a major problem. Mm-hmm. And these things actually bite. I mean it's not bad, but they, no, they will they bite land you. on you, they bite. Yeah. You know? They'll bite you. Wow. Well
4: I have to talk to Bronson about that. He might know something. There he is, right there. Or an entomologist.
0: You um, never th- I never thought about the word pesticide. You know, I always think about that as bugs, but Yeah. Pesticide is well, a pest. Well, did
1: anybody notice that you can't spell toxicant without toxic?
0: Yeah. <laughs> Uh, my name is E-Y. So. Yeah,
1: no, almost type uh, <laughs> Guess what, Bobby? You can't spell intoxicated either, <laughs> sonny. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> that is true. Well, so guys, uh, we learned a lot. That was very interesting. And uh, so there is hope. Yeah, there's yes. hope. There's a yeah. glimmer
0: of light out there. Sorry. Yeah,
1: it is. So I wanted to remind everybody, our television show started a couple of weeks ago on Tuesday nights, mm-hmm. 8 o'clock on Central Time. What is that uh, Eastern Time, Lanny? Uh, that's that central
3: one. That,
0: that would be what, what time?
1: 8 o'clock Central. <laughs> 8 o'clock Central. O'clock central. Just and
3: like, like the anchor spot we've been for 20 years, I've been there. Yep, that's... On uh, the country. Tune and on and in. On,
0: on 9
2: o'clock uh, Eastern. That's you 8 o'clock
0: Thank you. 8 o'clock Central. Thank you, Richie. Richie's the man, maestro behind the TV show, too. Not only the podcast guru, but... Great job so far. Yep.
1: Richie, the producer. Richie, the that's producer. Right. That, that's there he a, is. Yep, he's done a. And look, Richie has lost some, a lot of weight. Telling he's, telling he's looking. He's, I'm trying fantastic. to feed him
0: every time he comes. <laughs> <in>. <laughs> <laughs> but the back glass of his truck is just taking a whooping. <laughs> I don't know what he's doing to it. <laughs> I think he's rough on everything. Yeah, he's rough. Back there. I'm glad you pick on somebody besides me,
3: Bob.
4: Yeah. Well, yeah. I got a kick out of that. So his back glass came out, and he duct taped a piece of cardboard yeah. over it. There but you go. he had a gamekeeper sticker on his windshield so he drew oh, he it drew with it a, a sharpie
2: no no, no 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 no, no! i did not draw that
0: Oh, so,
2: somebody's uh and not not fessing up to it drew it and
0: <laughs> <laughs> i had to yeah. oh, okay.
1: and i wrote tv producer
3: <laughs> jethro bodine yeah
4: so uh, all right producer. that was fun i've got an announcement oh yeah okay well go ahead okay so um Oh, we get, but Ask Dudley. And I mean, Ask Dudley. Yeah, go ahead. Um So before Ask Dudley, the announcement I have is on September 15th, we have the foxhole shootout. That's right. Um, it's a huge deal. Traditionally, it's coincided with our Mossy Oak Properties uh, National Convention. And this year, it does not. And so we're encouraging a lot more of the public to come to this. Um and uh, if you feel called to donate something uh, for our raffles, et cetera, we you know that would be great too. I, I want to say we've averaged uh, donating know, roughly one hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year. Yeah, to, uh, to St. To Jude. St. Jude
3: and, and Catch a Dream. Though. And Catch a yep.
4: Dream yep. and uh, and Soul as right. well. That's right. Yep. A lot um, of support but uh, it's a it's a golf tournament. Um, and then we have a, a cooking event where chefs
0: next big, to none cooking event big time on. chefs oh, from gosh. all over the world. It's Incredible! I, I would say it's the finest meal you're gonna you're gonna find around here all, in, the whole year. It's amazing. Live, <laughs> fire. Cooking live fire, live a fire lot fire of wild cooking. game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we've got elk on the menu. There's all kind of stuff that's coming. I mean, on the, the
4: auction this, this is insane. Yeah. Uh, from you know hunts first and first things all over the place. We're gonna
3: have a tournament at the Mossy Oak Golf Course, of course, and we'll golf. little celebration. So
4: um, if you want to learn more about it, there's a website, foxholeshootout.com. We'll all be volunteering and helping cooking and stuff, and we'd love to have you guys participate. Yeah, I'm
1: going to be parking cars. There we
0: go. Oh, you moved on up.
4: Yeah. I like it. I just follow Vandy around and let him tell me what to do. But uh, it's a lot of fun. So uh, I guess that's it. Um, As far as the Ask Dudley segment, I thought I would share something a little bit different. Um, I had a listener email me the other day. Um, We were talking about like this Merlin Bird ID app, and and there's some other apps out there. Like Toxie was talking about Picture This. Mm -hmm. Um, On some of the newer iPhones, if you have upgraded your phone recently, all you have to do is take a photo of a plant or pull a plant photo off of anything, um, and uh, if it's sitting here in your photos, you just go and click on it, or take a photo, and then you go to the you go to your gallery and click on it, and then you click that little i that stands for information, and then you and then you click look up plant, and I've done this on seven or eight. Pretty difficult, odd species, and it's nailed it every single time.
0: And
3: dead <laughs> guess, gum AI, boy, y'all look out. And that's it, right. But the, yeah, and it's, it's probably free. Yeah, that's so, a great tip. So I guess the, the difficult part is if species look so close, right, it might trick it. Well, but,
4: at least you can get to the genus and start learning how well, to. Well, not keep only
3: that, you're telling me that it's stuff that you almost never heard of. It's pretty rare, and it has all that contained. Mm. That's pretty
4: big, right? Um. I took some pictures of you know some sylphiums like the the compass plants. Right, are, yeah. Uh, kind of rarish prairie species.
3: I might have to get a new phone. Uh, so I yeah. have a new phone, so I'm fixing to go check that out soon as <laughs> we get out of here. So anyway.
0: Well, there it is. That's about it. That's a good one. Yeah, that
1: that that really is. That's helpful to people. That's right. right. Yeah, it sure is. So
0: well, uh Lanny have you got anything? I man, just Punk, we got some some hog solutions coming out there.
1: Yeah, Toxie, don't forget that Stanley thermos. Or
0: I've got it. Don't
3: worry. Yeah, it's got know. my name on it.
1: All right, guys. Well, this has been a lot of fun, Richie. You got anything you need to? We appreciate you being here and working the Doing what there, you Richie, do. That's yeah? right. And, and watch the TV show, it, it, guys. It, it's it, we we work really hard on that. So,
0: all right. Why don't you say goodbye, Dudley? Goodbye, Dudley. Where's Mac? Who's gonna get us out of here? Get us out of here, Richie.